I want to welcome you to Daily Drive Time Devotions. We're in day three of our look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Today we're looking at verses 6 to 8. You might remember yesterday we, we introduced this guy called the man of lawlessness, this evil one who would proclaim himself to be God and in the end be defeated by God, doomed to destruction. Let me read for you what verses 6 to 8 have to say about this person. And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Now, I think most of us love that last verse, verse 8, where it talks about Jesus coming and the splendor of his return, because I can understand that. Earlier in these verses, there's things that they have us wading in some deep water. You know what is holding him back, it says. I read that. You probably read that and think, no, no, I don't. I don't know what's holding him back. The reason we don't know, by the way, is that Paul had talked to them about this when he was with them. And now he's reminding them of something he'd already talked to them about. And it's like we're listening to one side of a telephone conversation. You know I've already told you, but we're trying to figure it out from what he's saying here. And there are things that we can understand from what he's saying. These are verses about holding back of this lawless one and the revealing of this lawless one. And the lawless one, because he's going to come at the end of time, it's also about the holding back of the end of time and the revealing of God at the end of time. When the lawless one is revealed, soon after that, Jesus will be revealed. So let's talk about those two subjects, holding back and revealing. Holding back, it says here, something is holding holding him back. You know, it says, we wonder. The one who holds him back, these verses say, will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. So it tells us there's something that holds him back. Until he is taken out of the way, the literal idea there is until he is removed from the midst. So what is this restraining force that's holding him back? Well, I would just say to you, no one knows for sure. There's some strong interpretations of this. But everyone would say there's some weakness in every interpretation of exactly what this means. Some people think that it had to do with that day. It had to do with the Roman Empire, and somehow the Roman Empire was holding back evil from the Thessalonians. Others think it's literally one of the emperors in Rome, Claudius, who was keeping Nero, an evil emperor, from coming to power. Some think of this as the church, and that when the rapture comes and the church is taken out of the world, that evil is going to be unleashed in the world. Some people think of this as the Holy Spirit, And when the Spirit's influence is taken out of the world, Satan will have a greater power to work evil. Now, these are the verses about which Augustine wrote in The City of God. I admit that the meaning completely escapes me. And so I will admit that I don't totally understand the meaning here, but most likely, as I've studied these verses, is talking about the Spirit of God. That when God's Spirit is removed from the world, there'll be a new power of evil at work in the world. And obviously, God's spirit is in God's church, so this has to do with the rapture and the church being taken out of the world also. With all that you might scratch your head at about this, there's a bigger question here. The bigger question is, why doesn't God just keep holding him back? Why doesn't God just keep holding this evil at bay? That same question asked in a different way would be, why didn't God keep Satan out of the garden in the first place? Or another way, why does God allow evil at all? We choose evil, but we couldn't choose it unless God somehow allowed it. So why doesn't God always hold it back? And the answer is, the answer is to provide us a choice. There is no love without choice. 
And God has allowed evil in this world. I don't understand all the reasons why. I wouldn't pretend to understand all the reasons why, but I do understand this. God has allowed evil in this world, and one thing that it does is it allows us to choose. I can choose for him or I can choose against him. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve could choose to follow him or they could choose to eat of a tree that God had told them not to eat of. There is no love without choice, and evil provides us a choice. Now, how does this whole idea of evil and choice relate to the return of Jesus Christ? Well, God is providing a choice. He always is. It's a choice that fits the historical circumstance. In the garden, he placed a tree and he allowed a snake. In life today, he allows evil circumstances in this world and in your life. And you can choose the evil or you can choose God. And in the end, in the end, he's going to allow a man of lawlessness, an antichrist, and people will have a choice to follow him, the evil one, who promises so much and even seems to deliver at the beginning, who has power that is evident. Or they can choose to follow God by faith, the one who is good. The principle is the same throughout history. God allows evil, and one of the reasons is to provide a choice. And then it becomes personal. The question in it all, behind it all, for each of us is, do I love God? In light of the reality of evil, am I mad at God? Do I ignore God or will I love and trust God? At the end of time, that's the choice that this evil one, this lawless one, is going to bring to this world. But right now, I have to make that choice also. One day, by the way, God's going to do away with all evil. You wonder, okay, he's holding it back. He's going to allow it. But that's only for a brief time. One day, he does away with all evil. The only reason he holds it back for a time is the moment he allows it, It starts the clock ticking, and he's going to do away with all evil. So why would he wait? He waits. The only reason he waits is to allow more of us to choose to love him. Can you imagine how deeply God is hurt by the evil in this world? Sometimes I I hear people talk as if they're hurt by the evil in this world more than God is. That's a very arrogant attitude. God is holy. God loves us more than we can imagine. And he hurts over the evil in this world in ways that we will never be able to experience or explain. And yet he allows it because he wants more of us to choose to love him. He's holding it back right now. But one day, these verses say, one day it will be revealed. And it's interesting. The phrase is, he will be revealed at the proper time. Notice he will be revealed. He doesn't reveal himself at the proper time, God's time. Note here, This man of lawlessness, he's not in control. He's not in control of the timetable. He is not in control of his destiny. God is in control. Oh, he thinks he's in control, just like people who are not following God and living life their own way think they're in control, but but they're not. And neither is this man of lawlessness. He thinks he's in control, but he's not. And God will reveal him at his proper time. Now, by the way, these verses say that even now there's a secret power of lawlessness at work. It's not as if there is no evil in the world until that day. This secret power of lawlessness is different than the man of lawlessness. It's the evil that we see in the world today. Secret just means a mystery of, something that is hidden that will one day be completely revealed. Even before this man is revealed, we already see evil at work in the world. That's that's pretty obvious. What's also obvious is what's going to happen at the end. The Lord Jesus will overthrow him with just the breath of his mouth. That's all it takes. If you're afraid of evil, if you're afraid of Satan, just the breath of his mouth will overthrow all of Satan and all of evil and all of this man of lawlessness. 
You and I who believe in Jesus Christ and trust in him, we have nothing to be afraid of when it comes to evil. Oh, it may affect our lives today. It may even hurt us deeply. But we have nothing ultimately to be afraid of because in the end, he is going to win out. You see, the point of these verses is not the man of lawlessness. The point of these verses that we're looking at these few days is not the rebellion. The point of these verses is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will overthrow him with just the breath of his mouth. And Jesus will destroy him just by the splendor of his coming. All Jesus has to do is show up and it's over. The point is Jesus. The point is God's power. The point is hope. Let's take a few minutes to pray together. Lord, when we look at the reality of this world today, we admit that evil is real. We don't pretend that it doesn't surround us. But we also admit before you, confess before you, that you understand it. And that, God, you have it in control. God, you are in control. You're in control of my life. You're in control of my family. You're in control of human history. You're in control of eternity. And God, as we read these verses, we are reminded that Jesus will certainly triumph in the end. And we hold on to that truth. We hold on to that hope. Thank you for the truth that God is in control. Whatever I'm facing right now, whatever you're facing right now, God is in control. And so right now, trust him. You may be in a situation that seems hopeless, but there's nothing that's hopeless in him because he has your eternity in his hand. Trust in him right now. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. <music> 